if people are out there feeling anxious and depressed, that's just a version of you today. That doesn't have to always be a version of you. And um, you can take control of your life, which is something we haven't been taught. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. For more info on the Reclamation Podcast, or to tell your story, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Aldo B. Martin. Well, I, um, well, I know the movie, when they made the movie, like we all watched it like 100,000 times. I mean, it was like our, it was like our, I don't even know what it was. It was like, it was like our life and visual. I mean, like, you know, um, yeah. And then the magazine came and it's just everything was to get you to focus on making disciples of all nations, you know. Yeah, and 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 only having positive press and publicity of the organization. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so cousin Eddie, did you just hear this? There was a play converted to a movie, mm-hmm. converted to a monthly newsletter called mm-hmm. Upside Down. Mm-hmm. It sounds cool at the time. It sounds innovative, but. In retrospect, to me, it just sounds like this is another method of controlling the masses. Mm-hmm. And I know I went on this topic a little longer than than I expected to, but I really want the audience to let that sink in, man. Mm-hmm. The letter was not the first. It wasn't. There were people that were speaking out against this, and their messages were quelled and covered up by the KNNs and Upside Down magazines of the world. The internet leveled the playing field and messed all that shit up. But anyway, I digress. I digress. Now, Kathy, you you said for two weeks you didn't make up your mind mm-hmm. in 1994, right? You didn't know whether to stay with ICOC or or go with um, this new thing. Or I don't know if the other way is to stay with the with the evangelist or or go on with ICOC. I don't know. You were in the middle. Mm-hmm. What did you ultimately decide um, at that time, anyway? And I think there's another choice, you know, just to, to not even go to either one. Um, do I want to even follow God anymore? Which a lot of people decided this, I don't want either one, I don't want none of this <laughs> uh, BS. So, so a lot of people didn't go to either. Um, so I was just trying to figure out what, what made sense for me. But yeah, I would decide to go with the evangelist in this new church. And and leave the ICOC. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's what I mean. When Kathy left the ICOC under circumstances that none of us have ever experienced, or most of us haven't experienced, she chose to stay with, not stay, to go on with the evangelist and his new organization and leave the ICOC. And she was one of the people that all of us, all of us, labeled as a rebel, all of us labeled as a sinner, all of us labeled as a betrayer, a turncoat, a fallaway. All of us labeled her that. We didn't know her, but I think all of us owe her an apology. So Kathy, I, I didn't know you back then. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I was definitely one of the people that that ran with that theme. Even though my disciple partner told me this, I didn't know much about it. I just went back and said, hey, 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 don't be like Indianapolis, (laughs) y'all. Not knowing what that meant. 
So I want to apologize to you and to anyone else that was in Indianapolis that just chose to do what they thought was the right thing. And that's what this is about, right? That's what this is about. When did you, or have you ever, have you ever viewed the ICOC as a cult? Because, well, how about this? What made you decide to go with the uh, the uh, the evangelist in his new church and leave the ICOC? Yeah, I mean, it just, I think because a year before, you know, I was started seeing, I'm not measuring up to all these standards. So I was already, it was already priming for me, you know, the pomp of, hmm, this, this is not gelling with me in, anymore. And the discomfort I felt within my own spirit. And so when he started pointing out how the legalism of things, how everything was so legal, everything about the rules, you know, and the law that, well, like, yeah, I've been feeling that. So it made it, you know, so I, it was just obvious to me that I didn't want to be part of the rules because in, that, in the rules, I didn't feel like I measured up and I didn't want to feel that way anymore. What was life like after leaving the ICOC? You know, uh, good in a lot of ways. I mean, they really tried to undo, and there's a lot of undoing. And so it took, it takes time, you know, um, to kind of figure that out. But it, immediately, like there was no, like the standards of reaching out and reading your Bible. I mean, all that was dropped. Um, there's nobody checking in with you every other day. Did you read your Bible today? Did you reach out today? That, that all that standard was dropped because it came more about this is between you and God, you know, you don't need to tell me I'm just a person. So a lot of things changed. And um, I would say though some things didn't change. And um, but I think right away, let me say that I want to be, want to be careful with my words. I want to be right. Um, because that church is still in existence and they're still my friends. So um they keep evolving. Let me just say that. But the early years, there were still things. Um, but I think there's, they're evolving. Um, like every other organization, they're just trying to figure it out. Figure it out. And, but they still are a church. And there still are certain sins that are um, weighed, I think, a little bit more heavy. Like a lot of churches, um, the purity culture... I don't know how it is now. I don't go to the church. Um, but that was still like a big deal. Even though we're taught that all sins are equal, the the purity thing was like somehow, even though we were taught it's not a big deal, it was a big deal. Um, so I, I don't know how it is now. That's all I can say about that. Understood. I mean, I, I and I'm glad you said that because at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? It's... Uh, Dr. Melton said it in her interview, you know, people are going to be people, right? And and it's, you know, it's none of these places are really different from the other, you know? Uh, I mean, not to say that that's good or bad. It's just at the end of the day, man, we're all just people trying to trying to figure this out. When did you v- view the ICOC as a cult or did you ever view it as a cult? Because I didn't really view the church as a cult until about six, seven, maybe eight years after I left. 
right? After I left and I was further removed from it, I looked at it, I was like, oh man, I was really part of a cult. And I went through this whole process of being embarrassed of it or, or feeling ashamed about that. However, I've spoken to former members who do not use the word cult, mm-hmm. right, when describing this organization. And I respect that too, right? So they've used terms such as pseudo-cult or cult-like or high-control. Um, uh, two current members that we've spoken with on the reclamation, um, they use the word uh, high-commitment church or something like that. Mm-hmm. So all, all these words uh, used to describe it. I, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think um, early on, we always thought it was like cult-like. And I'm not sure why we didn't think it was a cult. There was something, I'm not sure. Um, but we always said it was cult-like. It wasn't a cult. And um, But I think more in recent years, um, really, I think joining the group on Facebook has opened my eyes. I just joined this year or last year, a few months ago, Um the which uh, which which uh, you said the Facebook group? What Facebook yeah, group is this? My mind was trying to get to that name. Um, that people who have left the church. There's a couple of different groups for the ex ICOC disciples. And- Yo, shout out to the ex ICOC disciples Facebook group, man. <laughs> you know what? Shout out, shout out to them, man. I see the posts. You know what I'm saying? I see the posts. Go go on. I'm sorry. So you joined this group just recently. Yeah, I joined a couple months ago and um, to be of service there to help people in their healing. And I found that it's helping me on my healing because as I read more about what people went through, it's become very apparent to me that it's a, it was a cult. Um, cult, And um, yeah, so I think just really in the last couple months have I really decided it was a cult. So 26 years later, Kathy. Mm-hmm. 28, sorry. God damn. (laughs) (laughs) So 28 years later, we're seeing it as a cult. And, or you're seeing it as a cult. It's only 29, so that math is, I don't know how the math works there, but. We're going on 30. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. (laughs) To me, to me, that is telling of what this is because i think as this program grows as the um as the program evolves and we add new voices it's really us just trying to make sense of what was that mm-hmm. what was i a part of mm-hmm. right and trying to give an explanation or put words to it because mm-hmm. for years we've just covered it up right with different experiences or not even speaking about it but man for you to come to that conclusion i think is a big deal because you had every reason not to say it was a cult because you know what you're a part of it and then if you say that it was a cult that means you were in a cult Mm -hmm. and who wants to admit that shit (laughs) you know nobody nobody wants to admit that i i have a few more questions uh uh for you Mm mm-hmm you left in 1994 and continued a, a you know a uh, another spiritual path, right? With another organization, we don't necessarily have to um, have to talk about that one. But what has life been like for you as you try to pick up the pieces of what this whole ICOC thing was and what it is? What has life like been for you picking up the pieces? And I like to use the term "picking up the pieces." Because that church really puts us through a lot, 
or has put us through a lot. Kind of just going through the ringer, through the spinner, right? And then when you're done, you have to just reorientate yourself and, and start from where you are and move forward, right? So what has picking up the pieces been like for you? Hmm. That, that's a great question. I think, um, well, gosh, my life, my life got like a real curveball. Um, 2000, 2010, I started having health issues. And uh, by 2012, I was working part time because I was to, I was becoming sick and didn't know why. Um, by 2014, I was, I was like, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I share all that because I got to a point in my healing journey that I was homebound for two years. I pretty much could only walk to the living room and eat and walk back to bed. Mm. And so I was home alone a lot. I wasn't able to go to church anymore. I wasn't talking to many people from church, um, then having a lot of community around me. And so all you have is your thoughts. <laughs> you know, it's just you. It is just you and your thoughts. And so a lot of, I had to figure out what, I had a lot of things I had to work through. So you're saying, how do I pick up the pieces? Um, My healing journey helped me pick up the pieces because I started seeing patterns in my life. And um, so patterns in my life that didn't start with the church. The church just magnified the patterns that were already there. And so my healing journey from Lyme helped me to identify those patterns and then heal those patterns. Does that make sense? And I'd be happy to elaborate. For that sure. <clears throat> no, that, that totally makes that. sense. Yep. Go ahead, Cousin Eddie. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Just, I, I completely understand that. Nah, yeah, I mean. That makes total sense to me. You said the church magnified patterns in your life that were already there, mm-hmm. right? And, and, I, and, and I really would like the listeners to... To just meditate, not meditate. Let me stop. Let me, let me, let me start over. I really would like the, the audience to just think that through, right? And and reflect on that. Because is that the same case for, for many of us? That's definitely the case for me. As we mentioned in the first episode or our first conversation, Cousin Eddie, here I am as a depressed teenager looking to alleviate this sadness. And, and this church just magnified or erased or whatever. It it, it kind of met me at that point. So, mm-hmm. but Kathy, go on. So you said it 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 magnified patterns already in your life. Yeah, and and I um I re- hit a point on my healing journey. So another thing I hit my healing journey where I was so sick, and um, good Christian people, meaning well-meaning people, were trying to be helpful, um, and telling me that God has a purpose for all my struggle, and. Um, that didn't help when you're mm. laying in bed in pain and you can barely walk and um, barely talk. You, you're like, God wants me to be in all this pain and it's a good reason and it's for his glory. Then I was like, I got issue with you, God. Right, right. <laughs> and one, one midnight hour, I woke up and I, mean, I couldn't sleep. I had a terrible insomnia, which meant I really couldn't function during the day. I mean, I was hanging on to walls trying to walk in my house. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so sick. And um, one night I just woke up and I was like, forget you, God. And I said some unchristian things. <laughs> and I was, I was mad. And I said, I will never call you God. If this is you and this is all for your glory, then 
forget you, God. And so I will call you universe because I knew I knew I needed a higher power because I was I was to every doctor. I was to every I was in five doctors a year trying to find answers. Nobody had answers. The ministers didn't know how to help me. The elders, the friends, nobody knew how to help me. So I knew I needed some kind of higher power outside of myself to get through this illness. And um, so I was upset with God and stopped calling him God. And um, I think people, um, yeah, so that happened. And then during that time too, I was battling with deep depression for a couple of years. And um, while I was just losing my zest for life. And like, this is all life has for me, then maybe I just, mm, okay, maybe not. You know, maybe this is just not how I want to continue to live my life. And so I was losing my zest for life. And, um, and so then I decided, you know, I can't keep doing this. I got to get, I've got to change my thinking because at the time I was married and I said, I can't keep putting him through this. And I knew I would never let him find me in anything but how I am now. So. I, again, another midnight hour, I said, you got to change your thinking. And I had a holistic doctor who told me the same thing. He said, you're not going to heal your nervous system if you continue to be depressed and continue mm. to be anxious because those were thoughts. It can be chemical too. I'm not trying to say anybody didn't have chemical depression, but mine was coming from thoughts, my depression, my anxiety. He said, you kept thinking, you keep thinking you're not going to heal. So it's making you anxious, which spirals you down into panic, which makes your nervous system unable to heal. So you're not going to heal, which repeats the cycle, you know? And so he taught me how to claim, you know, how to start thinking about what I want in life. I was like, okay, what do I want in life? And I started writing about, I'm a journaler. I love to journal. So I started writing about what if I was well, what would that look like? What would that taste like? What would it feel like? And that vision pulled me through, you know, Oprah says, let your vision pull you through. And it's true. It pulled me out of that depression because and I said, that's when I said, if I get out of this depression, this anxiety and this sickness, I'm going to help others get out of theirs. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's really awesome. It is. And and usually we say this in in jest on this program, but and I mean this uh, sincerely and fondly, but shout out to those that battle depression. Mm-hmm. seriously mm-hmm. and and anxiety and and go through life with that because it isn't easy and you think you're alone in it but there's a lot of us like that so shout out to you for 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 making it this far mm-hmm. and and there's there's light at the end of the tunnel and Kathy I'm very happy that you you shared that because one of the things with this church was <clears throat> they made it seem as if once you leave, you know, life is going to be terrible for you. And once life becomes terrible, there's no way for you to un- for you to fix that. And it seems you've gone through some 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 stuff. You've gone through some stuff. You've experienced some things, you know, in your uh, through your life. But you seem to have found the light at the end of the tunnel. And how does that bring you now to? life coaching. Yeah, just to that light at the time, knowing that it's possible and never wanting anyone to feel how I felt, you know, in um, 2014 to 2000 and probably like 17, like three years, just battling, battling. 
And even after that, the battle just got shorter. You know, I really, so I guess the battle was, that was prolonged, but the battles got, so up to probably from four, 2014 to, to uh, 2020, even 2020, I had a, 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 some things. So, um, the, the, so I know you can get, it gets better. And I never want anybody to feel like it's hopeless because I felt so hopeless. And so now I know it's not hopeless because I've lived it. You know, I'm living proof that, you know, it's not hopeless. You can get out of it. Um, You can change your thoughts. You can change your diet. You can create a life that you love. And it's one, it's just one step. You just keep stepping one step. And um, that's what I teach my clients. What's one step you can do this week? Just one. And what's one step next week? And then we just keep stepping. And when, but I also think when people feel like you relate to them, they're like, oh, like you said, I'm not alone. Because I felt like I was alone. I felt that way a lot of my life. And um, I want people to know they're not alone. And um, when you coach with me, you're just going to get my real story. You know, I've experienced, I've experienced a gamut of emotions. And I don't hide from that because I feel like your our stories are powerful. And I hope that my story is powerful. I'm going to share it. I share my trauma. I share the ICOC. Mm-hmm. Um, I share the depression, the anxiety, because I'm no longer that same Kathy. I'm a new Kathy today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if people are out there feeling anxious and depressed, that's just a version of you today. That doesn't have to always be a version of you. And um you can take control of your life, which is something we haven't been taught. You know, as children, we're not in control of our lives because our parents are. Then we go to college and our professors are, or we get into a church that's controlling and they control us. Then our bosses control us, right? And then sometimes our husbands or spouses do. Mm-hmm. And um, and you can control your life. That's what I want to tell people. You, you know, Kathy, um, it's so powerful that you said that, and I had some more questions for you, but we're gonna we're gonna stop it there because I think you, I think you summed it up wonderfully because we began this conversation with, and this is something that you you mentioned, where on a Thursday night you told these ladies you were done, and you said you were not honoring your inner voice, right. Not honoring your inner voice. And we've come full circle to not only are you honoring your inner voice, you're helping other people to find their will too. Well said. Right. Man, listen, I ain't going to ask nothing else, man. That's it. Shout out to inner voices. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Next time on The Reclamation. Part of the problem because, you know, I had something that important that I needed to say about my experience in the organization and in terms and in terms of uh, me getting that out there, I had to I had to figure out an avenue to do so. You know, not everybody understands what it's like to be a part of a of of this organization or even to be a part of a cult. <laughs>